Will you outlast your money? Do you stay awake at night worrying about providing for your family? Are you making the right decisions about your investments? There are many life-changing decisions that arise and questions you want answered when going through divorce or after you've received your settlement. This is the Financially Ever After podcast, where you'll hear stories of women like you and get advice from the industry's top professionals. Here's your award-winning and nationally recognized host, Stacey Francis. Today, we have an incredible guest, Nicole Noonan from New Chapter Capital. You may not heard of their company before, but I know you've lived through how expensive divorce can be. We looked up a statistic, and it's a pretty scary one. The average divorce per person here in New York tops over $17,000. For some couples, their number actually dwarfs this. And we've worked on cases where legal fees have soared into the $100,000 plus range. It can keep women trapped in marriages and unable to put down the hefty retainers that are needed to hire the best attorneys that they need that are out there. They also can find themselves boxed in and not able to work with forensic accountants or divorce financial planners that could really help them make the difference to number one, walk away with more assets and income, but also give them the knowledge to make smart decisions now and going forward. Nicole's here as a former attorney with years of experience seeing women boxed in by these financial challenges. And she offers to us, to all of us, a new alternative. And it's called divorce funding. The first time that you can access money to be able to pay for your experts, your matrimonial attorney, and even be able to pay for some of your living expenses if that's needed. I'm so excited to have Nicole here to talk about divorce funding, something that really hasn't been discussed much here in the United States. So without further ado, I'd love to welcome our guest, Nicole Noonan. Nicole, it's great to have you here. I am fascinated by what you do. And I also am really curious about your story of what led you to your work. So let's start first. You're in a business that I think you guys are the only ones. I've never heard of this before. And do you call it divorce funding? Um, What would you... I would say it's divorce funding. Yep. Okay. Um, And I I came into the the business really through... um, my own personal practice where I saw a need for it Mm -hmm. because prior to this, I practiced matrimonial law and oftentimes I'd have clients, women, a lot coming into my office that had very nicely dressed, dripping Mm -hmm. in diamonds, but they had no way of retaining our firm for their divorce. Mm -hmm. And what were they going to do? And if they didn't have friends or family to go to, they'd either have to go to another firm or be backed into a settlement less than what they're entitled to, or our firm would carry the case if they could put together the retainer and then we would be end up carrying the case and it's not good business for the firm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that there's a, a definite myth or um, belief that people who have wealthy wealth have no problem affording 
a divorce, but that's not necessarily not the case. The case, and I imagine, especially if your client coming to you as a um, needing a matrimonial attorney is not the working or what we might call the moneyed spouse, and maybe doesn't have access to the funds. Right. They don't have access to capital, even if they are the, the moneyed spouse. A lot of it, especially in, in New York and the tri-state area, is tied up in mm-hmm. real estate. Mm-hmm. And they're, we say our clients are typically asset rich and cash poor. Yeah. So they don't have the liquidity yeah. to go ahead and So get they have their house. Time. They maybe have their, their uh, 401k, right. maybe uh, a pension as well. So it looks good on paper, but where's the money to actually pay for these legal bills? And for, for most couples... They did not anticipate this, and they definitely didn't anticipate the cost. Right, you plan for a wedding, but you don't plan for a divorce. <laughs> exactly. So, if you and you know a rainy day divorce uh, plan wouldn't be bad, but no one, no one yeah. really does that. So, so there's definitely those clients that you said are you know asset rich but cash poor. Um, do you get other types of clients coming to you where they have been? kind of blocked out of the ability to access the finances? Yeah, we get clients where um, everything is tied up in a trust, put in a business name. If it's a real condo in, mm-hmm. in Manhattan, it's put into a business name. They can't access that mm-hmm. um, really either side, but it seems like the moneyed spouse has put aside um, you know, a, a separate account for them to use during the divorce. We also have clients where we actually end up funding both sides because again, if they're all their assets are, are tied up in, in real estate and it's not time, it doesn't make sense to liquidate at that time. You know, if it's a, a winter um, and it's the Hamptons, no one wants to sell then. If it's the spring, yeah. they'd prefer to wait. So we also fund, fund for those occasions. That makes sense. And I've heard far too many stories of women who all of a sudden check the joint account and there's nothing there any longer. Right. Right. And that's what they use for their living expenses. And that's of course what they would need for their legal fees. And so then they go to use their credit card, their credit card that maybe they are a signator on or that they share with their spouse and their credit cards have also been closed. So I, I see sometimes that it's almost like if I starve her financially, she'll agree to this deal right. more quickly. Right. And the challenge is, is that in some cases, fair or not, that does happen. That does happen. And so all of these individuals that we just talked about, and I think a few listeners listening now, either themselves can somewhat relate or, or know of other women going through divorce that had the same challenges, how can you how can you help them because you don't you know they don't necessarily maybe even have collateral especially that woman who the joint account now is gone and he's transferred all the assets into an account just in his name whether or not you think that's right or you know or, or legal it it happens right. um how does this mechanically work because if you're going to a bank she's going to a bank to ask for a loan that that bank is saying no there's no collateral. There's nothing to, to base it on. Right. So a lot of our clients have not built up their own credit history. As you said, they they go to get a divorce. They try to put it on their credit card and their credit cards and cut off. Even they go to the grocery store. They can't, they can't buy anything. What can they do if they don't have friends or family to go to? And even to go to friends or family to ask for $100,000 or $200,000, you know, that's an impossible yeah. ask. 
Yeah. Um, if they go to a bank and try to get a, a mortgage out on, on a piece of real estate, good luck unless the money spouse is going to sign. And, and even that, there's no guarantee on that. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're already with an attorney, the attorney can make an application to the court. Unfortunately, you don't often get the $10,000, $20,000 a month. And if that's what she's used to, and that's the lifestyle she's accustomed to, you know, she should be entitled to that eventually. But what does she do between point A and point B? So that's when we come in. Because it's not necessarily automatic. No, there's when, no guarantee. And number one, you may not get that funding, but there's there's a time period right. where it could take a couple weeks. It could even take a little longer for that application to the court for you to start to see that money. And how are you going to put food on the table? And I think you, you know, you bring up a really good point, Nicole. It's kind of like you need money to make this process work because you need to retain a a legal representative. You need to hire a A lawyer and good lawyers have retainers and some of the best retainers or the, you know, the best highest retainers go along with some of what we look at as some of the best attorneys. So you find yourself in this catch 22 of being, you know, really cornered and needing great legal representation, maybe even more so than others, but yet you're, you're stymied because you don't have access to those funds. It's it's almost like a plan. So as you said, you know, the best attorneys, you get what you pay for. And if the husband, the moneyed spouse goes out and hires the best in the business, and then you cannot afford to have that equal caliber attorney, what do you do? You're backed into taking a settlement less than what you're entitled to. Mm -hmm. And I saw this time and time again in my own practice where someone couldn't afford to actually litigate um, and, and the husband knew that the, the moneyed spouse would know that, that they couldn't, they could, it was a war of attrition. So what do they do? Hopefully they can come to me and we can get them funding and they can get that right team. Even a forensic accountant where we've seen examples of had she not had a forensic accountant, she wouldn't have found hidden assets and, you know, hundreds of thousand dollars in an account that otherwise wouldn't be known to mm-hmm. the attorney without yeah. that forensic accountant. Yeah. It's, it's, you need money to be able to to be able to do this, and unfortunately, for many people, what you spend on your wedding is nowhere near how much you're going to spend on your absolutely. Business. So, right. um, so someone comes to you, like let's say me, I, um, I'm in a situation where I need to retain an attorney. I don't have friends or family that can give me that retainer. I don't have access to cash, whether my husband has you know transferred it from our joint account or we just have real estate and, you know, maybe retirement or not even that. What is the first step working with you and your team? Um, it's sitting down and is it trying to figure out the dollar amount that's right? Um, how does that decision get made? And then when am I obligated to make sure that I'm, I'm paying you back? Because obviously this is something that it's a, it's not a loan forever, but at the same time, there's a challenge with this type of a situation that a typical bank doesn't have because we don't know when the divorce is going to finalize, when I'm going to be able to receive my portion of the equitable distribution. So how does that all work? So no two cases are the same. We, yeah. we know that. Um, so the first step would be to speak with your attorney. 
or have the attorney speak with us. So the application's actually completed with the assistance of the firm because it's not their first rodeo. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Once that's completed, our underwriters make a determination of what his or her likely entitlement would be. And then we fund a percentage of that. We fund for legal fees, first and foremost, um, expert costs. So those forensic accountants, uh, you may need some sort of experts. And also for, for reasonable living expenses for some clients. If they need that, we're there for that extra cushion. So once that's uh, sent out to to the client, um, we don't get repaid until they get to settlement. Mm -hmm. Because we understand, unlike a credit card where you have to make monthly payments and you're paying interest on those. You can't. You can't. Where can you get it? So we are making an advance for them um, on what their likely entitlement would be. So at the end of the day, they're not going to have to struggle. They're not going to have to worry about how am I going to go and put know, food on the table that my, my children are used to having because my husband's credit my credit card mm-hmm. and I have to wait for a judge to award me interim counsel fees and, and, and living expenses. Mm-hmm. And could it be that someone's working with you, let's say I'm working with you and I am able to get that lump sum relatively quickly, mm-hmm. but I've got a petition in and I eventually do get that agreement. So I have, um, you know, council fees. Can I then use it to help pay down some of that loan? Absolutely. So let's say it's fifty thousand dollars, and the loan I've taken out is eighty thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, realizing that I need some for living expenses, and I definitely need some for this beginning retainer. So it sounds like there's flexibility, so that if I am awarded that mm-hmm. by the court, that you know I can use it to pay it down, or I guess I could just use it. Um, you Should know. you need it for additional fees? Absolutely. Yeah, for additional fees. It's case as well. by case basis. It really is. No two cases are the same. Yeah, so. that makes a lot of sense, and it it gives um, much more flexibility. Right. Much more flexibility. As far as when you tell people what type of interest rate would they be looking at, and um, does it accrue from the day that you take out or how does that work as well? So with the application, we ask the attorney um, and the client to come together with a number of what they're going to need to get to settlement. Yeah. Uh, so let's say it's 200000 but they only need 50000 for the next six months. Okay. Just take out the 50000 in four months should decide that mediation is not going to work. This is going to go to trial. You need the balance. You need another 150000 then the 150,000 is also drawn down. But the fee is only on the 50,000 at the beginning. Then when the 150 is drawn out, that's when the additional fee incurs. But of course, it's just the money in action. It's not. So that's that's interesting too, because it doesn't mean that you have to take that all out. At not the, at you once. Know, it's, nope. it's when you need that. But it, it sounds like you're approved for a certain amount. And then you. It, it's almost like a maybe a home equity line of line credit. credit. Is that similar? Like, similar. Yeah. Like, where you can bill against it and you right. only are paying interest on the the portion right. that you are. And for some women, they might say, well, I don't need that. I have credit cards, but you know, if I recall correctly, your rates are often better than some of those credit cards because we see credit cards upwards of even 29%. Right. Right. No, we were lower than that. Um, and what we tried try to do, we also, our clients don't have great credit history. So that's one thing that they have to, you know, factor into a lot of credit cards won't give someone with no credit history, a credit card and good luck getting a hundred thousand dollars on a credit card right away. Yeah, exactly. And you're not, I mean, they're, they're looking at your credit and that amount of credit available to you might only be $10,000. And if you think about in that 
process of opening new credit, that's definitely an uphill battle. And what you talk about too, of could you refinance your house? And I know for a lot of people, um, you know, refining, refinancing their house right now is actually more attractive than, than ever because rates are, are so low, but that has to be a uh, two person Right. Exactly. Your name is on the title and his name is on the title and both of their names, you know, your names are on the the mortgage while it's a it's a two person uh, decision. What would you say to attorneys who maybe are not familiar with your services? Because um, there are some attorneys that will totally understand and want to be able to offer this as a resource. Um, but I also have found that certain segments um, of the attorney population, maybe they have been practicing 30 or 40 years. This is really new, and it's probably not something that they're really used to. How how do you explain to attorneys as well? Because you're not only working with the client, but you're also working with the attorney here. Right. It's part of our, our vetting process is to make sure the attorney, not just on the client that we're funding side, but the, the other side as well, um, are, are good caliber attorney. Um, but like, as you said, you know, if there's an attorney that's practicing for 30 or 40 years, a lot of attorneys are resistant to change. Mm-hmm. We understand that, but they're also starting to take credit cards. Mm-hmm. What's the difference between this and a credit card? This is easier to get. Um, their client yeah. doesn't have to make payments and oftentimes it's less expensive and, and it's guaranteed. Um, we as attorneys are not great business people, I hate to say it, um, and having accounts receivable that are so high uh, for a lot of firms is really detrimental and you're yeah. still paying your overhead, you're still paying your associates. So we've seen this save a lot of firms by being able to clear up those accounts receivable. Um, but it is, it's my biggest hurdle for people to know about divorce funding and yeah. uh, to understand what it is because it's been going on in the UK and Australia for many, many years. Interesting. Um, really, every matrimonial firm in, in the UK um, has either heard of it and certainly has used it, um, but they, uh, you know, it's been so accepted there. It's just the biggest hurdle is for people in the US to know about it mm-hmm. and to really understand it. That makes sense. And, you know, it's something that I know will catch on once people realize. And I feel like your profession um, is probably where divorce financial analysts were maybe 10 or 15 years ago. Um, I mean, I, I have to say I went through that uphill battle too of explaining how divorce financial planning and really looking at the numbers and looking at the tax impact of settlement A over B how that could end up with a whole lot more money in someone's pocket long term and that it was a good decision. But it it took me years, mm-hmm. years to be able to have people hear that message enough, see our work, see the impact before it it became, I guess, an easier, an easier uphill battle. And bless where we're at right now. Um, we're, we're, you know, we're coming down the hill and we're rolling down, you know, that boulder that's been going up so many years. We're on the other side and it's it's beautiful. But it's it's hard when you're talking about something that people are not used to. They may not have heard of and they're not familiar with it. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And do you find it's easier to get your message across to matrimonial attorneys and the other divorce professionals of how powerful 
your, you know, your ability to be able to offer loans to really anyone through this process, um, of course, vetted? Or do you find that that message resonates more so with individuals going through the divorce process? I think it's a mix of both. I think, um, you know, the attorneys that understand um, and get it, uh, it's it's very easy for them to grasp right away. Some clients that come to us don't understand um, the process and think that they would be a, a square peg fitting into a round hole. But unfortunately, we, you know, we cannot divide furniture uh, yeah. for clients. So it's not... Or cars. For, exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And you know, there's, there, there's, I imagine part of divorce funding is, is knowing that you're going to get a certain amount of assets and that you will be able to pay this back and that you're going to be okay financially long-term because right. I know that you're not going to work, want to work with someone where every ounce of that uh, settlement is going to be going to, to pay off. Debt, Absolutely. Right? You don't want to fund a hundred percent of yeah. their entitlement. So. Yeah. so what are some of the things that, you know, as you think as women think about the finances and the cost of divorce, any kind of pitfalls that you've seen women fall into? Um, I think a lot of the clients, a lot of women um, don't understand that this is not an overnight process, mm-hmm. um, but it's not going to be for the rest of their lives. So there has to be, you know, some knowledge of this too shall pass. Um, they'll get to their, new chapter um, and live their life, but they also are not going to get the house sold and their financial settlement and the, the ink dry and the divorce settlement next week. It's going to take some time and it's yeah. going to take money. Um, and I also see women that have no knowledge of what their marital um, pool is and what their mortgage statement, um, what the, the equity in the home is, what their, their debts are. I mean, forget about your own personal credit card debt. What, you know, what is your, your spouse's credit card debt? And what is your long-term planning in terms of education? Yeah. Um, and are you both on the same page about that? Yeah. And it's, you know, I, I, I think for so many women, what we have heard from them when we interviewed uh, 150 women, and we two questions that I was not surprised by the answer, but I was surprised by the numbers. Um, when I said, asked, what do you wish was different about your divorce? Um, the number one was, I wish I got a bigger settlement. Okay. And the number two was, I wish it was done more quickly. Right. And so I think that it's such a painful process envisioning yourself staying in this state of, of limbo and state of trauma for a year. It's hard to think about that. But we know that the average divorce uh, actually takes longer than a year. And here in the New York area, when you have more complex assets, you throw in children um, and potentially custody issues. We've we had a divorce that lasted six years. Absolutely. Now, granted, that's not the norm. And there were a lot of unique pieces about this. But Bless, it's a lot longer than you than you think. And the challenge is, is that you're being told by your attorney, don't change your spending. Like, be smart, right? Don't, you know, go out and, you know, buy a new Ferrari. Don't go out and get a, you know, $1,000 pair of shoes. Right. Try and have a similar standard of living. But what do you do when you, 
you don't have that that money to have that similar standard of living because you you're kind of between a rock and a hard place where if you are you know the person eligible for spousal support for example they are going to look at your expenses and that is one of of many but it is one important factor about the amount of spousal support or maintenance or alimony depending on the part of the country you live um that's one of the big factors. And so here we are saying, you know, continue to spend the way you've been spending, um, but you have no money. Right. How can you do that? Right? It's really between a rock and a hard place. But I imagine also, Nicole, that there's a, a balance between spending and keeping your, you know, creating so much debt uh, throughout, throughout the divorce that the amount of the settlement you're getting that that you realize and you look back and say, gosh, I wish, I wish that I hadn't run up this many credit cards or things like that. So finding also finding that balance, finding that balance. Why you need your team of experts, why it's so important to have someone to sit down with you and make sure you have a good financial plan. Um, Because what, what is your norm today is not going to be your norm tomorrow. And it's not going to be your norm once everything is settled. Yeah. So we have to make sure, you know, there's a, a saying that criminal attorneys see the best people, worst people at their best, matrimonial attorneys see the best people at their worst. Yeah. So they're in a situation that may need a little extra handholding. Yeah. Um, and for people that are used to having the other spouse do their, their financial planning and their financial guiding, they may not have that anymore. And certainly they're not going to trust their old financial experts yeah. So of their spouses. So it's really important that they... They have a, a visit um, new yeah. financial planners and new experts. Yeah, and it's interesting. Um, about seventy percent of women leave their financial advisor right. after a divorce, and it's often because they they typically didn't have a, a close relationship with that advisor, or the advisor was more so the advisor of their husband, or they want privacy and don't want to necessarily be working with the same person who, again, is going to continue with their spouse. Um, and so it's it's a really good opportunity to find someone who's going to be with you for the long term right, through this process. Someone you trust. <laughs> someone you trust, exactly. So how do our listeners find out about, so talk a little bit about your company, how we find you. Um, also on the show notes, we can put a link to your website. If you want, we can put a link also um, to your email um, just to, to guide them because I know this has been really helpful, but I I am 100% certain that every woman who's listening right now is thinking, okay, now based on my situation, right? Because so much of this is so particular to each person's situation where they are in the process, what the assets look like, the um, types of assets that they are, and, and all of that. So what? how can women find out more about that next step? So I'd say check our website, www.newchaptercapital.com. Um, we also have an online brochure, which goes into more in-depth um, as to you know what we're looking for um, in terms of our underwriting process and what the steps are um, in terms of getting funding. Mm-hmm. They can also give us a call at uh, um, number, but I'll 212-404-7807. And someone for our office can kind of walk you through. I also suggest them to speak with their attorneys 
Yeah. Um, and especially if they're, you know, in the tri-state area, if they've, they've heard about us and a lot of attorneys have and um, happy to, to send out brochures to their office and speak with their attorneys. And certainly they can always email us. That's great. That's great. So thank you for listening, everyone. And I encourage you to reach out to um, Nicole Noonan. And um, we'll put uh, show notes, both the website as well as the phone for you to give a call. Um, But I definitely encourage you to take a look. They have a really nice website. And while divorce funding may seem complex to you, um, you guys have done a really nice job of laying it out in an understandable, easy to follow way. And Again, this is just another resource and I, what is so powerful and what I see women doing, the women who have more resources and more knowledge do better through this process. Knowledge is power. Always it is. Power. And this is just one of those other options for you, particularly if you're backed into a corner financially and you need this help. So thank you. Thank you, Stacey. In just a few minutes, I'll go through the main takeaways from our episode, but I want you to know about an important program that we have here called the Second Opinion Program. You'll see, we'll give you a second opinion about your financial picture and help you see where you are today, where you want to go, and the steps you need to take to fill that gap. We'll look at your investments and do an x-ray analysis so that for the first time, you can see how all of your investments are working together in harmony or maybe not so much in harmony. It also will help you understand which assets you potentially would want to take from your marriage and which ones might be better left to your spouse. It was great to have Nicole here today, and she talks all about giving yourself options, what we believe you deserve at Francis Financial as well. You can reach out to us at www.francisfinancial.com. We want to help you. And you can reach out to Nicole at newchaptercapital.com. We'll put her link to the website in those show notes as well. I was really interested to hear about all the different options and ways and flexibility that she can help individuals, whether it's a small short-term loan, whether it's a big long-term loan. It's one of the few ways that women with no credit, no access to other types of liquid income, such as cash, can be able to make it through their divorce and be able to afford those fees. So I highly encourage you to educate yourself. It may be the right option for you. It may not be. But the most important thing is to know more so you can make that decision. Thank you again for tuning in to Financially Ever After. This is really one of the favorite days of the week to be able to connect with you all. And it makes me so proud to be a woman And it makes me so happy to be here to hopefully give you more information, more tools, so that you can live your best life ever, because you really deserve that.